Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Thursday edition PFTOT, where we talk about things that maybe we had a chance to talk about during PFT Live. Maybe we didn't, but it gives us more space without worrying about breaks. We can talk as long as we want, although usually it's about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And we're going to jump right into it, Chris Sims. The Colts, it's looking like they will not have Andrew Luck for week one. It doesn't take much expertise to read the tea leaves. If Frank Reich wants to name a starter after the third preseason game, if Andrew Luck's not going to play in the preseason, Jacoby Brissett is the winner. He'll start week one. Can the Colts win game or games, if necessary, without Andrew Luck? Yes, they can. Now, uh, do I feel as confident? Certainly. I do not. No, Andrew Luck is special when he is healthy. Uh, I think we recognize that. We saw that last year. We saw that prior to the shoulder injury and all that. Those years where teams that I don't think were really playoff caliber football teams that he got there because he has that clutch gene. I mean, he's almost he's like can't miss TV in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, whether they're winning or losing, you know, they're one of those teams and he's one of those quarterbacks. Oh, they're down by 17 to start the fourth. I bet you that game gets close when it's all said and done and it almost never fails that way. So that's where he gives me tremendous confidence is those games where the team is not playing its best football. He is special enough to overcome that. We don't know that about Jacoby Brissett yet. That's where it's a little different. But I do know that he is a starting caliber NFL quarterback, and there's some talent around him. So are they as good? No. But I don't think they fall off earth with Jacoby Brissett. You know, Frank Reich was recently talking about Andrew Luck, and he tried to compare Luck to like a video game if you're playing, and every once in a while there's this high-value target that flashes, and do you see it and do you hit it? And that's what Andrew Luck does, that there's an opportunity that pops up, he sees it, and he goes for it, and that's what sets him apart. I still think they can put together game plans that will allow them to be competitive. I think they're much better than they were when Jacoby Brissett started 15 games in 2017. Agreed. And Brissett's in better position because that time he was thrust in through a Labor Day weekend trade with the Patriots, he didn't have a chance to really learn things, and he still did okay for himself. Now he's going to have even more of a chance to be ready to go. And, Chris, I just think at some level Frank Reich has to like the idea that that uh, it's a test. It's a challenge. It shows what he can do as a coach to try to win without Andrew Luck. And he's the one candidate two years ago for the job in Indianapolis who did not ask GM Chris Ballard about Andrew Luck's health or whether he's going to be good to go, or anything about Andrew Luck. He wanted to coach the Indianapolis Colts, and that means whoever it is that puts on that helmet, Reich is the coach of that team. And and I that think that they are in great they're in great hands with Reich, even if Luck can't play. Uh, yeah, and he proved that to us, right, with the Super Bowl and, you know, Nick Foles and all of those things. And, uh, you know, to what you're saying with Frank Reich not asking about Andrew Luck, I do think that says a lot. Yeah, it shows that he's got confidence uh, to what you're saying in his his offensive scheme, his ability to game plan for opponents. And we saw that last year. I mean, it got off to a rough start when he kind of found the rhythm of what he wanted to do with the team. 
I mean, every week they had a number of what I call FU plays, right, to where it's like they cracked the defense code where you're like, holy cow, this guy's wide open. That's unbelievable. And uh, he's, he's kind of good that way. See, that's a new stat that we've identified. You've got the F up the play defensively. Now we've got the FU plays on the offensive side of the ball. We got to keep track. I like it. Thank I like you. the FU play. Thank you. We're gonna we have to we're gonna have to keep track during the season for the time. And I will ask you if a guy's wide ass open, as Bruce Arians would say, right. is that an FU play? Okay, so, I like uh, it. We'll do that's it. good stuff. <laughs> All right, uh, the 49ers defense said FU five straight times to Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> yeah. We talked about this a little bit during the show, and this is amazing to me. Five straight throws in practice were intercepted, and we didn't have a whole lot of time to talk about it during the show. I want to delve into the psychology of this going forward because Jimmy Garoppolo has this all unfold among the very men he is expected to lead. How much does it undermine him as a leader when they've seen this? Holy crap, the guy threw five straight interceptions. Who is he, Nathan Peterman? I mean, how do you come back from that if you're Jimmy Garoppolo? Yes, uh, valid question. Um, added to the fact that, you know, we, it became to light this week that, you know, also Kyle Shanahan was saying the plays into Jimmy Garoppolo's ears, right? He told Peter King that to where they always had to go into the huddle talking together so he could spit it out. I don't think it's a crucial blow to his leadership of the team, depending on this. How did he handle the five interceptions yesterday? You know, you and I were not there, uh, but hey, guys are going to be, they're certainly observing to, to what you're asking about. They're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo, his mannerisms, his body language. Can they see it in his eyes in the huddle that, you know, he's like a deer in the headlights the next time he's calling the plays? Yeah, he's calling the plays, but, you know, the train's not in the station right now because he's flustered about, oh, gosh, I've thrown two, three in a row. It is astounding. I will say that. I'm not, like, alarmed. Crazy stuff can happen, but I, I, I truly mean this. I've never seen at any level high school, college, NFL, any quarterback I've been around to throw five straight interceptions in practice. You know, even an adult like myself who was overly aggressive in practice and Gruden was always scared of my aggressiveness. I can't remember throwing more than two interceptions in a practice, let alone throwing two in a row. So that to me, you know, Garoppolo is a huge question this year. He is one of the, you know, what do I want to say? Intrigues of the year, question marks of the year of what we're going to get. And practice is the time to make those mistakes. It's the time to figure out how far you can push it. You take the chances. You know, hey, I can get away with this. I can't get away with that. But, yeah, five straight interceptions. You make a great point. How does he deal with it? Does he go into the locker room and slam his helmet onto the ground? Does he act – Does he? or does he just shrug it off? It's like, hey, you know, stuff happens. We'll go get him. He was 7 for 11 after that. He threw a touchdown right after that. So how you respond in those moments of adversity goes a long way toward letting – the men you're supposed to lead know yes. whether or not they can count on you to deal with adversity that will happen during games. I think it's an appropriate lesson. You're going to have to shrug off an interception during a game. You're probably not going to have to shrug off five in a row, but you're going to have to shrug off one and how you handle that moment of what the hell just happened in practice goes a long way, Chris, towards showing your teammates and the coaching staff. Yes. How are you going to handle those moments when they're going to happen in games? But All Mike, right, one Matthews last point with there, too. Let's just not forget to, you know, and I just, as a quarterback, I know this can happen, too. You know, the, the, the look of those five interceptions, right? Were they all his fault? Were they all just, like, in the defender's chest? Did a receiver have the ball and the ball popped in the air? If there was two or three of those kind of mixed in there, 
you know, it won't be as glaring or looked bad, looked as badly by the teammates. Uh, it's just something I wanted to bring up. Sorry. Well, and, and that's an excellent point because there's a difference between a horrible throw and just a crap happens type of a throw. Exactly. And, and there are, both of those uh, happen from time to time in the NFL. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo throws five interceptions on five throws on Wednesday. The good news for Matthew Stafford, he's thrown no interceptions all week because he hasn't practiced all week. And, and this is a strange dynamic. I mean, they're acting like the guy's 45. He's just in his early 30s. Matt Patricia giving him the whole week off for rest purposes. This is kind of strange to me. They have a new offensive coordinator in Detroit. Shouldn't Matthew Stafford be getting himself up to speed? I it just it invites all sorts of speculation. And I don't know what the basis for the speculation. I mean, I like what's the end game here? Is he yeah. secretly injured? Are they trying to get Josh Johnson ready? Are they they planning to go with somebody other than Matthew Stafford at some point? This is just a weird situation to give a guy who is only 10 years into the NFL that much rest when he's in the process of learning a new offense. Yes. I'm not buying it. Baloney challenge flag. All right. I'm throwing the challenge flag at the Detroit lions. Okay. Again, this is Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. They just came from new England where Tom Brady practiced all the time until he was like 39 years old. And then he got some Wednesdays off. So it's not in their DNA to do this. So that makes me question it right off the bat, let alone the things you're saying. It's year 10 and a week, a week off that they can say all they want. And this is why I wish they would have injury reports in the preseason because it's just not fair. It's not. And they don't we don't know. But it, it, to me, it would look like it's there's something ailing or annoying, whether it's tendonitis in the elbow or the shoulder or something like that. There's got to be more to it than just, oh, he's a 10 year vet and we got to rest him. I, I'm not buying it. And and just so we're accurate, it's six six days without throwing, not a week. But it's close enough. That's a long time. When you've got a new offense you're trying to learn, that's a long time to go without throwing the football. And they're saying this was planned all along. But I agree with you. Something's going on here. This is just one of those where your instincts say, don't buy what they're telling you. I don't know what's really going on, but it feels like there's something more going on and whatever it is hey they're doing what they have to do for the best interest of the team and you're right no injury reports they don't have to tell us if he's got tendonitis if he's got some lingering problem uh but uh it it just it just cries out yeah this is not normal right this is not usual so we we and we've seen cases like this in the past where what we're told and what's really going on can often be two very different things. All right, uh, plenty of things going on for Antonio Brown as it relates to his legal docket. He had a lawsuit that he settled earlier this year for throwing furniture off a 14-story balcony in Miami. He settled that. He has another lawsuit that was filed uh, by a trainer who claims he was stiffed out of his payment for a week of services in April. And now the sports chef, uh, Stefano Tedeschi, has sued Antonio Brown for nearly $40,000 for an unpaid bill arising from Pro Bowl week. Brown apparently rented a mansion in the Orlando area, had this chef there and a bunch of food, bunch of parties, bunch of stuff, bunch of, and hey, easy way to, to afford something like that, don't pay for it. Nearly $40,000 that is owed. Brown has been sued. And, and you know, at a certain point, it can't be, I've got a perfectly good explanation for that. I've got a perfectly good defense for that. At some point, the guy just doesn't pay his bills and he forces people to jump through hoops to get their bills paid. And uh, that would be my guess with Antonio Brown. Uh, yeah, uh, it seems like, he, you know, certainly a little bit of a knucklehead. I mean, uh, to, for lack of a better way to really put it, uh, no, he's awesome on the field. And we know that. I mean, he is amazing. 
But, you know, where this also leads me to think, okay, just again, being around the NFL, trying to read between the tea leaves and all of that, right? Here's a guy who forced himself out of a team to get more money. And we all heard the rumors that we he, he didn't didn't think he was going to get his next big contract, you know, from the Steelers. That that money was going to go to Juju Smith Schuster and things like that. When I hear little stories like this repetitively, like we're hearing, that makes me think that maybe he has money problems. And I don't know that. I know I'm throwing out accusations, but that's just where my mind went right away. Either way, it's not a good look, and uh, you can't be stiffing people on on work they're doing for you, especially when you're a star receiver in the NFL. Well, you're not throwing out accusations. Let's be clear on yeah. this. As your as your as your unofficial counsel, uh, who is trying to avoid getting you or me or anyone else sued, you're not saying that he has money problems. You're not suggesting that he has money problems. You're just saying the circumstances would put that in the realm of possible explanations yes. for not paying your bills. Yes. And there are people in all walks of life who don't pay their bills because there's an issue with having enough money to pay the bills. Now, he only got a $1 million signing bonus from the Oakland Raiders earlier this year. Most of that guaranteed money is tied up in salary. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, and this all happened back in the January, February time frame in and around the Pro Bowl. But, uh, you know, bottom line is you either pay your bills or you don't. Yeah. And I, I hate being in debt. I hate owing people money. I pride myself on paying my bills right away. And if I can't afford something, I'm not going to buy it. And I know if I'm buying something that isn't cheap, Hey, you got to you got to pay the price on the back end. So uh, thirty eight thousand plus allegedly not paid by Antonio Brown. And uh, we'll see where that case goes from here. There's another case that is still pending in Louisiana. And there was a little bit of a good news uh, ruling for the NFL on Wednesday. Chris, the Louisiana Supreme Court has decided to press pause on the litigation that has been filed over the Rams-Saints-NFC championship game. That means the commissioner and three game officials won't have to testify in deposition settings next month. It doesn't mean they'll never have to, but the Louisiana Supreme Court basically said, look, let's just, let's just put this all on hold while we decide whether or not this case should go forward. Good. And and here's here's what it boils down to, Chris. I want to get your thoughts on this as a non-lawyer. Okay. Because as a lawyer, I look at this and I say, I understand both sides. On the NFL's side, the argument is no season ticket holder, no spectator should ever have any standing to ever question in court the outcome of a sporting event. It's a bad precedent. It opens Pandora's box. It's just not a good thing. Even if that, that outcome clearly is the result of of a horrible misapplication of the rules, a spectator, right. a season ticket holder, a gambler, no one other than the teams, the people involved should have any standing to say anything about it, especially not in court. Here's the other side of it, though. And I've read the complaint that was filed by the plaintiff in the lawsuit, who's also a lawyer in New Orleans, uh, and and it suggests that the fix was in, that the NFL wanted the Rams to be in the Super Bowl because they're in L.A. and they want to promote the L.A. market. And we've seen that the, you know, the Rams and the Chargers haven't really done as well as we thought maybe they would when two NFL teams went back to L.A. But um, if the if the fix was in, I could see that being an exception to the idea that that fans and season ticket holders and gamblers would have no standing to do anything about it. Because if the fix is in, somebody's got to have the ability to fight it, to point it out, to bring sure. the truth to light. And, you know, at what point do you give someone a chance to prove 
that the fix was in. And that's what these depositions are all about, getting the evidence aimed at at making an argument, if an argument can be made, that uh, the, the Rams were handpicked to go to the Super Bowl. I don't believe that. Yeah. I, I, I think that it's too hard to put the fix in. Right. And it's too hard to keep that kind of a conspiracy quiet. But I, as a matter of of whether or not someone should have the chance to try to prove that the fix is in, I yeah. if you got enough it. to go forward, I you know if you got something, then why shouldn't you have a chance to prove it? Otherwise, they would never be proven. There'd be no consequence. There'd be no downside, at least not in a civil court system, if you don't let season ticket holders, gamblers, and others affected by that outcome give them an opportunity to prove that the fix was in. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, I don't think it upholds in this particular scenario, okay? And you know my first thought, and you've heard me say this before, you know, again, I just, I'm, you know, I, I hate to see, you know, governments and state governments even go down this passageway when we have a lot of other big issues in every state in our country right now. But I know, don't, okay, don't, don't, okay, there's, there's plenty. The, the government can do a lot of things. The government is capable of, I, I always I'm hate that so excuse. I'm not so sure about that always. So, let, let me okay, tell you something. Let me way, tell you something. What? Let, can I say something? Yeah, you said I hate it. that excuse. I, I hate that excuse because it is used by the people who do not want to be held accountable. Don't fall into that trap. Oh, aren't there better things to do than this? That's just, why don't you leave me alone? Let me go do the thing that I shouldn't be doing. And don't don't give me a hassle and a hard time because you should be curing polio or something like that. So that that's propaganda. Okay. And, and it's unfortunate okay. that it's stuck with you, but it's stuck with you. Okay. Anyway, go you ahead. know what? You're right, though. And I will. I'll try to change my outlook on that because I, I don't disagree with anything you just said there. And I'm coachable and I, I get it. You're right because people do need to be held accountable. Now, this is where I just will say this. This is where it's far fetched to me. OK, NFL is killing it. All right. It's the number one sport in our country. You can take the other three sports and combine them and it's still not the NFL. So from that aspect there, wow, they're going to really risk it for the L.A. market. And then one other thing that just really jumps out to me, the NFL loves money. And I know that that's the case. Oh, you know, trying to boost the L.A. market and all that. But. Brady versus Breeze, Belichick versus Sean Payton might have broke the freaking meter on ratings for the Super Bowl. The money would have gone through the roof, the anticipation of the game. The game certainly would have been better. There would have been so many great storylines to go along with it that I don't think the NFL would have put the fix in to stop that just over the L.A. market, which is questionable at best as a sporting sporting city when it comes to football. So to me, that's just what jumps out to me. I don't think they would risk that. I mean, Breeze versus Brady was the matchup. That was the, the million-dollar, oh, gosh, we can even charge more for commercials now. And, I mean, I just think that that would have been the ultimate matchup. And, you know, yeah, the NFL made a mistake. They messed up. The referees messed up. They blew it. And it cost all of us. And I, and I get that. And I get why the Saints fans are mad about it. And I agree with you completely, Chris. It's not that the fix was in. It was incompetence. It was a horrible mistake. It was yeah. the failure of the NFL to have a system in place to fix the mistake, but the fix wasn't in. I think from a from a legal theory standpoint, the idea that you do want to create a slim opening for someone to have a chance to take legal action if they can prove that there was some sort of orchestrated effort to turn football into professional wrestling. I get that, but I, I don't believe that's the case here. I think they just blew it. They screwed it up, and they've they've since tried to fix that that flaw 
uh, with an overreaction. That's how concerned they are about a problem like that affecting the outcome of future playoff games. And, and again, with gambling here, legalized gambling spreading from state to state, they need to be concerned about doing everything they can to get the calls right. And you can argue they did too much. I don't think the fix was in. And, uh, you know, if the fix was in, they they, they waited until the last minute of regulation yeah. to unleash it. Like, right. we would have seen it throughout. We would have seen a flag thrown for that face, face mask, mask. Yeah. Uh, of Jared Goff exactly. a few minutes earlier. So exactly. right. I, I think it's too hard to fix a game and it's too hard to keep it quiet. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer that the fix is never in. And I know plenty of fans think that that's their way to justify the the, the fact that their team lost, but I don't think the, the fix is ever in in the NFL. No, I, I, I'm with you there. It, there's, there's no way, and you're right, there's too many mouths that have to keep quiet and, and everything else that goes in. Too many variables. I mean, even if the referees were trying to, to, to fix a football game, gosh, there's no guarantee they could always do it if one team's just having a horrible day or some quarterback throws, you know, four interceptions and two of them are pick six. It, it's harder, you know, said than done, that's for sure, or easier said than done. Well, it's easier said than done to get through some of these extra topics. We love talking football. We love talking with you. Chris, take Friday off. You've earned it. No problem. Enjoy your time. Sold. I know you're working. You're going yeah. to South Bend to get ready for the Notre Dame season. Yep. We'll look forward to that. Look forward to doing more PFT Live next Monday. And uh, everybody, check us out at profootballtalk.com. Enjoy the games tonight. We'll have full reaction tomorrow with Big Cat back in the studio. Enjoy your Thursday. See you Friday. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.